Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you, dear ones? I pray that you're well always, always, always. I was just listening to the wonderful uh, summary of Sir Oliver Plunkett, whose feast day it is today in the Novus Ordo. Now, this is really wonderful because Station of the Cross gives you information on the feast of each day of the Novus Ordo, and I can keep you up on the extraordinary form. So you have two, two saints for each day. It's truly wonderful. Let me read you today. Today, um, for the Extraordinary Form, is a second-class feast. It is the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. Um, now, in the Novus Ordo, that's celebrated May 31st. In the Extraordinary Form, it's July 2nd, so it's today. And I have my little book that I recommend to you on the character calendar. Uh, can you see that? Let's see. Character calendar, and it's published by St. Augustine Academy Press. St. Augustine Academy Press, they're truly an outstanding apostolate. If you want books for your children for all ages, homeschooling, uh, raising little tots, go to them. St. Augustine Academy Press. They reproduce old works that are truly treasures. And in the the character calendar... It gives you a very short, you see the size of the book. It's not very big. And each day's entries, uh, each day's entry is no more than one page and often less than a page. And so today, on the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, I'll read it to you. The angel Gabriel uh, had announced to Mary that God would soon give a son to Elizabeth. Now, I just realized when I said I'm showing it to you, that's for those who are able to watch live stream um, or even uh, at any time they're able to on the Facebook page of Mother Miriam Live or Station of the Cross, LifeSite News. It's being streamed live on LifeSite in conjunction with the Station of the Cross, a wonderful thing. So you can always go online when you can. And, and watch it live. But for those of you who are listening only on the Station of the Cross and don't see it, um, it's still the Catholic calendar, and you can look it up and get that from St. Augustine uh, Academy Press. Okay, so the angel appeared to Mary and told her that um, she would... Su- that, no, no, I'm sorry, let me, let me go back there. The angel Gabriel had announced to Mary that God would soon give a son to her cousin Elizabeth. The Blessed Virgin at once went to Hebron. Um, Let me just see something here. I know this light is a little bit getting in your way, I think, but let me do what I can. I'll just keep it on for the reading of this. Um, The Blessed Virgin at once went to Hebron, where her cousin Elizabeth resided. That is the mystery of the visitation which is celebrated on the day following the octave of the Nativity 
of St. John the Baptist. Now, I know in the Novus Ordo, I don't know that there's an octave left except perhaps for Christmas and Easter. The octaves have really been um, just taken away. Um, The faith is so great when we celebrate the octaves. It is so magnificent to celebrate the octaves, the octave of Pentecost, the octave of uh, the Sacred Heart, so much. And so today, uh, July 2nd, um, is the day following the octave of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. Um, And then... um, this is right from Mary's words in the gospel. My soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior. What shall I give thee for all these thousand favors? Would that I could serve thee all the days of my life. That's not all scripture, but that's the fruit of Mary's heart. And many of you probably know that the Magnificat Um, That means to magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord. That Magnificat in Luke chapter 1 from Mary's heart begins with the prayer of Hannah uh, in the Old Testament because she wanted a son and God gave her in her old age also Samuel who became Israel's first judge. And so it's mostly Hannah's prayer and then the rest of it is uh, from the Psalms. Uh, and the the scriptures that Mary knew by heart in the Old Testament and put them together, and that became the Magnificat. It was on this day that the Blessed Virgin expressed the exaltation of her heart in that beautiful canticle, the Magnificat. It was on this day, too, that Elizabeth first used the words which we repeat so often, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. You know, um, I, I told you, I don't know how long ago, that in speaking of the Magnificat, of Mary going to Elizabeth, you know, it. I don't know who originated this statement. Uh, Pope Benedict quoted it. I don't know who originated it, but they said that Mary's visit along the road um, to uh, in. Uh, the road to Hebron, um, Mary's visit to Elizabeth was the first Eucharistic procession ever. The first Eucharistic procession because she was carrying our Lord Jesus Christ. The first Eucharistic procession. That sentence took my breath away. And another thing that took my breath away is that when I had read the Magnificat in Mary's visit to Elizabeth, who was already six months pregnant, and Mary was newly um, with Jesus in her womb, I pictured uh, when they got together and Elizabeth looked at her cousin Mary and said, how is it that the mother said, how is it the mother of our Lord should come to me? Mary was carrying our Lord, and Elizabeth knew that. And the minute... He, he saw her and heard those words. He leapt in Elizabeth's womb. And I always pictured John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb, bowing to Jesus in Mary's womb. I always pictured that. And one day I came across a painting. It was a Russian painting of that exact scene in Hebron with Mary and Elizabeth facing each other and Jesus in Mary's womb looking at John the Baptist. 
and John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb, bowing 90 degrees to the child in Mary's womb. Those things are heaven on earth. Heaven on earth, so beautiful. And the rest of this Catholic calendar entry for today says, it was on this day um, that the Blessed Virgin Mary expressed, um, oh no, I read that, let me read further. If you are not familiar with the Magnificat, don't fail to become acquainted with this literary masterpiece. Say the Hail Mary with special fervor today. And you know what? Not only should you be familiar with the Magnificat, but if you pray the Liturgy of the Hours or the Divine Office, we recite it every single day. Every single day at Vespers, the evening prayer. Every single day, we chant it in Latin here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Home. It is so magnificent indeed. Um, and then this, this, um, this little entry in the Catholic calendar repeats the Hail Mary. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. <clears throat> Amen. This is such a simple little book, beloved. If you don't know what to read at the dinner table, you should get this book. And, and Papa, if you're there, you're the one that should read it, not the mother. The Papa's the head of the home. If Papa's not there, yes, then the mother should read it. And if for some reason the mother cannot, the oldest son should, uh, if possible. Um, it's a small reading you could do with the family and then have a wonderful dinner speaking about all that our Lord has done. You know what I'd like to do for the rest of the time until our first break, and after the first break, as always, I'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, with whatever's on your heart, does not have to be anything we're speaking of. You can write or call in with your name or anonymous. It's not the issue. The heart of the matter, as I say, is the matter of your heart. The toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I'm going to continue today reading this um, record. It's for the record declaration of the truths relating uh, to some of the most common errors in the church of our time. Declaration of the truths relating to some of the most common errors in the life of the church of our time. And I'm going to go to the end of it again um, because we're reading a portion of this every day. And these four holy, wonderful men of God, true shepherds of the flock, have put it together. Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, patron of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. And then the, the next two names... I'm probably messing up the pronunciation, and I ask their forgiveness. Cardinal Janis Pujat, Archbishop Emeritus of Riga Tomasz Peta, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, Jan Paolenga, Archbishop Bishop Emeritus of Caraganda, and then our beloved Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana. And that were, I'm not even sure about that pronunciation, all in Pakistan, Far East, Russia. 
And so we've been reading this magnificent correction of the heresies and errors uh, and untruths of our day. And I've given this an introduction, the last two programs, that um, uh, they are truth. Everything the church teaches is truth. It does not change. To bring the church up to date, so to speak, is to bring doctrine and apply it to our current circumstances and time. It is not to change doctrine. If you change doctrine in any way, if you call the changing of truth a development, that's wrong. It's not just wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's satanic because the only one who would dare to change what God has said is the, the enemy himself and the minions through whom he works. So it's a deceit, and it's satanic, whether somebody intends it or not. Truth cannot be changed. We speak the faith once delivered to the saints. And so yesterday, we spoke of two fundamentals of the faith. Um, uh, let's see, the first was the right meaning of the expressions of living tradition, living magisterium, who, magisterium, hermeneutic of continuity, and the development of doctrine. And the second one was the meaning of dogmatic formulas which remain ever true and constant in the church, even when expressed with greater clarity or more developed. And I mentioned yesterday that one of the books that helped me into the church from my evangelical Protestant background. Um, I came from a Jewish home through evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics to the Catholic Church, which is the most Jewish a Jew could be. It's the fulfillment of Judaism, the full measure of, of Christianity. And one of the books that helped me greatly was Cardinal um, John Henry Cardinal Newman's essay on the development of doctrine. I mentioned yesterday he was not Catholic when he began to write that book, but he was Catholic when he completed it. Um, it showed him the true and false developments of doctrine, which he compared to the true and a false development of a tree. He said an acorn uh, doesn't look like the tree. It's a little nut, but it, when rightly planted and watered, it grows into the poultry, just like the mustard seed. And he said you could trace the development from the acorn into the branches, and you can trace uh, truth and the true life, true development from the branches back to the acorn, and in so doing, you can determine what is a right growth and a false growth, you see. And in looking at what is true, Cardinal Newman came into the Catholic Church and brought over 700 priests and hundreds of religious back into the church with him. So today we look at the creed, and these wonderful men of God have written this about the creed. The kingdom of God, begun here below, in the church of Christ, is not of this world, whose form is passing, and its proper growth cannot be confounded with the progress of civilization, of science, or of human technology, but it consists in an ever more profound knowledge of the unfathomable riches of Christ, an ever stronger hope in eternal blessings, an ever more ardent response 
to the love of God and an ever more generous bestowal of grace and holiness among men. The deep solicitude of the Church, the spouse of Christ, for the needs of men, for their joys and hopes, their griefs and efforts, is is therefore nothing other than her great desire to be present to them in order to illuminate them with the light of Christ and to gather them all in him, their only Savior. The solicitude can never mean that the church conforms herself to the things of the world or that she lessens the ardor of her longing of her Lord and of the eternal kingdom. The opinion is, therefore, erroneous, wrong, in error. The opinion is, therefore, erroneous that says that God is glorified principally by the very fact of the progress in the temporal and earthly condition of the human race. No. No. God made us to know him, to love him, to serve him, to be happy uh, in uh, uh, this world, and I'm getting that wrong, Baltimore Catechism, to serve him in this world, to be happy in the next. But the fact is, I know I mixed up those words, beloved, but if we serve him, if we live with his truth, we will be happy in this world. Do you think we ha- here in Tulsa, having gone through uh, a certain suffering, we've been three years looking for a new home and um, all kinds of things, uh, so much I could tell you, but you know what? I'm a happy camper. I'm a happy camper because God is on his throne and every single thing, nothing touches us, nothing touches you that is not of God. It's not, well, it could be of the devil. It could be of your own sinful flesh. My sinful flesh. It doesn't matter. If it touches us, God has allowed it. And that's what matters. God has allowed it. And he will raise us up. And we need to trust that nothing touches us that doesn't pass God, that including the devil. <clears throat> and so uh, God is not glorified by the progress of the temporal and earthly condition of the human race. He is glorified when we reflect his glory. What does it mean to reflect his glory? It means to shine forth as if we were a mirror and you could look at us and by our life, by our actions, by our speech, by our choices, by what we do and fail to do or don't do, you could see that we belong to God because we reflect his attributes. We reflect the glory, the attributes of God. And then it goes on to say, after the institution of the new and everlasting covenant in Jesus Christ, no one may be saved by obedience to the law of Moses alone without faith in Christ as true God and the only Savior of humankind. And of course, I mentioned yesterday that every one of these statements uh, is backed up by scripture or an encyclical or another reading. And I'm going to dare to eliminate that word alone. No one may be saved by obedience to the law of Moses alone without faith in Christ. Beloved, it's not alone. No one 
even before Christ, could have been saved by the law of Moses. The law was holy and righteous and good and given by a God who was holy and righteous and good, but the law could not save. The law was our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Our schoolmaster, otherwise translated uh, tutor, disciplinarian. The law was our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. God made first a covenant with Abraham. He said to then Abram, who he took out of the Ur of the Chaldees, through your seed, Abram, singular seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And through Abraham, and through his son Isaac, and through his son Jacob, I mean, uh, Abraham had Isaac and Ishmael, but it would be through uh, Isaac that that line of promise of the messianic seed, the redeemer, the savior of the world would come. And then Isaac had Jacob and Esau, but it would be through Jacob that that line would come. And then Jacob had 12 tribes and it would be through the tribe of Judah that the line of the Messiah, the messianic line, the line of the redeemer from Abraham would come through Judah. And then Judah had many children, but it would be through David uh, that that messianic line would continue. And uh, it was, oh, almost a thousand years after David was born that the angel Gabriel came to the Blessed Virgin and said to her, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, that you shall bear a son, um, and his name will be called Wonderful I'm not reading from scripture, so I'm trying to remember it. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, quoting from Isaiah 6, and he will be the son of David. He will sit on his father's throne, and uh, he will come from Jacob and Isaac back to Abraham. The Messiah would be the son of David. That is one of his greatest titles. He is the son of man from Adam. He is the son of David by race. And No one could ever be saved by the law. You could not be saved without it if you were a Hebrew under the law. You could not be saved without the law, but you could never be saved by it. By obedience to the law, um, you uh, would be saved not by the law, but by the lawgiver who would, uh, would come 1,500 years after that law was given. Your yes to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob under the law of Moses was the way, it was provisional, the way for you to live out the Abrahamic covenant. And God said, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And they broke that covenant. They broke that covenant, but they could not break the covenant with Abraham, which the Apostle Paul says to the Hebrews is irrevocable. God's promise is yes and amen. It does not change. It does not change. The Israelites are his people, not because they were faithful, not because they kept the law, but because God is faithful and brought forth from them the promised Messiah, the promised Redeemer. And so those people today, I can think of a particular, um, um, I won't name his name, particular man in the church, very involved with, Catholic-Jewish relations, who wrote an article once and say, why save, why convert the saved? And he was talking about the Jewish people. He said, they have Moses, we have Jesus. That is so tragic. That is to doom the Jewish people. 
that is to doom them. Um, uh, why convert the saved? Because they need to be converted, just as you and I. Every soul needs to be converted to Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, um, said Peter in Acts chapter 4. There is no other name. Christ is the only Savior. Christ is the English word for Messiah, Mashiach in the Hebrew. There is no other way to salvation. Those who say that the Jewish people are saved through Moses, they know not of what they speak. They are ignorant. I don't say they're stupid. I think they're too smart. I think the enemy has his way with them. Should they not, of all people, know the Messiah they gave to the world? Absolutely they should. They are not saved. And those people argue, but God is faithful to his promises. Of course he's faithful, which is why he sent the promised Messiah, who Moses himself prophesied in Deuteronomy 18, chapter 18. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 24, after he rose from the dead, to those men on the road to Emmaus said, If you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Beloved God is faithful. No one and nothing but Christ. It's not the law of Moses plus Christ. It is Christ who didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And faith in him alone is salvific. Him and the church he founded is the only means of salvation. There's our music, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one 511 5483 or email at mother at the Many outside the Catholic Church misunderstand her teachings, but did you know that God uses Catholic Radio to bring about understanding and conversion? Catholic Radio is a powerful tool that helps explain the Church's teachings and guides others closer to our Lord through what they hear. By making a planned gift or bequest in your will to the Station of the Cross, you'll be supporting our mission of evangelization for years to come. If you'd like more information on making a planned gift, please talk with your financial advisor or lawyer. You can also speak with us by calling 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. 
Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live that's so much fun for me still to say that. I'm so thrilled um, for the development of technology and the love between brothers in our faith, between LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross, to bring this to you uh, live, streaming, radio, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Internet, iCatholicRadio.com, all of that. I'm not a techie. I don't know how to f- do all that, but they do, and I'm so happy for it. We're going to take your calls and emails now. So again, feel free to call in with anything on your heart, with your name or anonymous. Um, Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother, my husband and I have five kids ranging from 16 to one year. After our first three were born, we both experienced a major conversion to the Catholic faith, learned the Catholic view on contraception and natural family planning, and made the choice to adhere to the teachings of the Church. Soon after came our two youngest and a miscarriage as well. I love them all dearly, but life has been extremely exhausting and difficult for me to manage. We, especially I, try to remain open to life and give myself fully to my husband in the marital act, but I feel absolutely terrified at the thought of another pregnancy and another pregnancy and baby because my cycles are extremely irregular due to age and still nursing the baby. It is causing great discord in my marriage. He feels neglected, as he rightfully should. And I feel used and like my... um, and, and like my just with a question mark feelings about not being able to handle another baby get brushed off. Okay, let me read that as it would make sense. He feels neglected, as he rightfully should. And I feel used um, about my feelings about not having... He brushes my feelings about not being able to handle another baby. He just brushes those off. We have extreme financial and housing hardship as my husband is building a business from scratch and has no outside support. He is glued to his work, a one-man operation, so he is not able to help out much around the house, which is falling apart. I also have no outside help or close family. The older kids do have chores, but are seldom home 
due to the high demands of their rigorous school and activities schedule. I feel that our lives are spinning out of control and I am on the verge of a major mental breakdown. I try to follow God's will and be open to life and to live out my true vocation as a wife and mother, but I am really stuck and bound by fear. While trying to love and manage the lives within our increasingly cramped walls, please advise. God bless you and your work. My dear one, um, we need to figure out a way for you to get help. That's number one. That's number one. Natural family planning is the answer, of course, but your cycles, as you say, are extremely irregular due to age and still nursing the baby, so you're really not able to map that out well. Uh, that's, that's not easy. That's a difficulty. But you know what you might do on that is get a hold of, um, oh, now, what is the name? Is it the Creighton? I don't think it's the Creighton Method. Um, oh, there's, uh, I, I, it's escaping me right now um, to see what they can do because many women who are pregnant, again, are irregular and at that time and it, it's, if you're just nursing the baby, it's not time necessarily for you to, you know, be able to handle another pregnancy. So um, you do want to be open to life. I would, um, I just can't remember this right now, call the uh, National Bioethic Center, the Catholic National, I think it's um, CNB uh, or NCB, uh, National uh, Catholic Bioethics Center, and tell them your situation, and either they'll have the answer for you of how you can handle that um, morally uh, with your body, or uh, they'll refer you to someone who can help you that way. Um, because there, there is help. I, I just can't think of it at the moment. Um, the other thing is, you say that your husband is a one-man operation building a business. Now, I don't know if the business is fully supporting your family at this point, but it it may be that you're, I don't know how new the business is, but it seems to me that your husband, let me just say this, without knowing anything more, he can't, obviously can't afford to hire anybody, but you, not his business, are his first priority. You are his first priority. And my thought, if I were speaking to you or your husband, would say, why can you not get a job and build your business from home or build your business, get a job and build your business part-time and be home to help your wife. Um, you are to love and care and cherish her till death do you part. And it, it can't be all on her. It can't be all on her. I don't know what the cramped quarters are. I don't know how small your house is. You're seven people in there now. I don't know how small it is. Um, many people with five children can live very well in a, excuse me for the hiccups, a three-bedroom home, um, even, 
excuse me, sometime a two-bedroom home. So again, uh, I don't know how big your house is. Uh, if you can put an extra cot in a bedroom, I don't know how many bathrooms. I don't know what you're dealing with when you say cram quarters. But your husband needs to find a way to be home with you and help. And that's his first priority. And let him build his business part-time. I'm going to continue with you uh, after the break. So hold on. And anyone else is welcome to call in toll-free, um, one eight one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We're going to be right back, and I'm going to get something from my hiccups. Don't go away. Have you been donating to the Station of the Cross by a credit card that's recently expired? If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Kateri Takakwitha, St. Kateri, Lily of the Mohawks. We come to seek your intercession in our present need. We admire the virtues that adorned your soul, love of God and neighbor, humility, obedience, and the spirit of sacrifice. Help us to imitate your example in our life. Pray to God for us and help us. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. Um, I'm going to continue with an email that we had prior to the break um, by a woman who um, is in considerable distress here. I'm going to read it from the beginning 
Dear mother, my husband and I have five kids, ranging from 16 to one year. After our first three were born, we both experienced a major conversion to the Catholic faith, learned the Catholic view on contraception and natural family planning, and made the choice to adhere to the teachings of the Church. Soon after came our two youngest, and a miscarriage as well. I love them all dearly, but life has been extremely exhausting and difficult for me to manage. We, especially I, try to remain open to life and give myself fully to my husband in the marital act, but I feel absolutely terrified at the thought of another pregnancy and baby because my cycles are extremely irregular due to age and still nursing the baby. And so let me just uh, interrupt there. Uh, That's an awful thing. You cannot uh, give yourself fully to your husband in the marital marital act when you're terrified at the thought of another pregnancy. Um, I'm I'm guessing you're still practicing natural family planning, uh, but because your cycles are irregular um, at the moment, uh, you 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 you're not able to trust that. I I understand that, but um, and I I did suggest that you call the National Catholic Bioethics Center and let them direct you to the people who can assist you in that. Um, but uh, contraception's absolutely out of the question. That would be an evil and a mortal sin. Uh, that's absolutely out of the question. Um, and. What I would say at this stage is to not be terrified. You know, I know a couple, they had eight children, and they were Protestant, they're Catholic now, but they came to understand the issue of contraception before they were Catholic. And I explained to them natural family planning, but they didn't want to do it. They just wanted to leave it in God's hands, and the mother's life would be in danger. Personally, it would be in danger if she uh, got pregnant again. And they, you know, people said, don't test God. Don't be holier than God. He allows natural family planning. They just didn't want to. They wanted to leave themselves completely in God's hands. And they had free marital relations after that forever. And she never, ever had another pregnancy. Never, ever had another pregnancy. Now, I don't know what will happen in your case, but God is in control, dear one. Don't be terrified. Don't be terrified of that. When you're with your husband, say, Lord, you know what I could handle, and you know what I can't handle, and I leave, I'm in your hands. I couldn't even handle this five without you. So if I can handle the five with you, even though I'm struggling, I could handle six with you. Don't be terrified. Leave it. Put yourself in God's arms. Put yourself in his hands. Um And she says, it is causing great discord in my marriage. Her husband feels neglected, as he rightly should. Well, he shouldn't feel neglected. That's a childish response. Um, He's not a little boy. He's a man. And and feeling neglected is a selfish, childish response. And she says, I feel used. um, And her feelings about not able to uh, handle another baby get brushed off. So... It sounds like your husband needs to um, be able to speak with a good man of God and and mature a little bit in that. Um, Your feelings should never be brushed off, nor should he feel neglected. 
I think there's a little maturing for him to do. He needs to understand. He needs to understand, and he needs to be able to sacrifice some, uh, to give himself for you at times. Um, she writes, we have extreme financial and housing hardship as my husband is building a business from scratch and has no outside support. He is glued to his work, a one-man operation, so he's not able to help out much around the house, which is falling apart. See, personally, I think that needs to be absolutely corrected. If you were a young couple, um, maybe with one child, and you're newly married, and you're building a business from scratch, and there's a little hardship to go through, that's okay. But with five children um, and financial hardship and a, a husband that has a wife who is afraid of another child and can't be fully uh, given uh, to you in your marital relations because she has that on her mind, she's afraid, and she doesn't have help, this is a very wrong situation. <clears throat> I say your husband needs to uh, forfeit his business right now or get a good-paying job and do that on the side and wait for his dream to happen until the household is a little more further established. It sounds like he's living in his own world, um, being gone most of the time, uh, financial hardship, a cramped house, you're on your own to do this, and if you do get pregnant again, <clears throat> it sounds like he's not going to be of any more help. So, no, no, he needs to make, it's, he needs to lay down his life for his wife and family, and he needs to do something about this business and get a good-paying job. Um, and she says, I also have no outside help or close family. Now, I don't know why there aren't women from church who cannot help you. Who can't? Who have teenage daughters? Who can come and clean for you? You don't have to pay them anything. They should be there to help you, uh, to clean, uh, to shop, uh, to take care of uh, the infant while you're taking care of the other girls or taking them to a doctor's appointment or something. You should have help from your church. Uh, it's not good that you do not, and it, maybe it's because you haven't made your needs known. But you must make your needs home. No. You say the older kids do have chores but are seldom home due to the high demands of their rigorous school and activity schedule. Well, I tell you what, um, this is one when I was your age stories, but we went to school, but we did not participate in activities outside of school. We did not do all the sports and everything because we had to come home and help with the house and family business. It's the only thing I knew growing up. Growing up, We came home, and we cooked, and we cleaned, and we worked in the business, and we helped. That's what we knew. We weren't unhappy about it. That's what our family did, and that's how we were a family and, and had our needs met. It wasn't deprivation. So you need to judge what activities your children should have, especially the 16-year-old, especially the 16-year-old. Uh, who might be who can help out quite a lot. Um, she says, I feel that our lives are spinning out of control and I am on the verge of a major mental breakdown. Well, I tell you what, shame on your husband for that. He cannot ignore that. And he must and you must talk to your pastor and tell him these things. 
You must get help. And your pastor or good, strong man of God needs to talk to your husband because at this point, it's neglect and cruelty. He can't do his own thing for whatever future dream he has. Uh, He needs to attend to the need of the moment. And you, dear one, are his greatest need right now. The greatest one he needs to care for right now. She says, I tried to follow God's will and be open to life and to live out my true vocation as a wife and mother, but I'm really stuck and bound by fear while trying to love and manage the lives within our increasingly cramped wall. walls. Please advise. God bless you and your work. Uh, if you can have your husband listen to this podcast or on Station of the Cross or LifeSite News, Facebook, any way at all, I want to say a word to him. And all husbands, when you were young, you had a dream. You wanted to become a fireman or a doctor or a business leader or a baseball star, whatever you wanted to be. Um, You're married now. You're no longer a son. You're no longer a young boy. Your dreams are not what matters anymore. You have a vocation from God to protect your family and first your wife before your children. First, your wife before your children. You have made a vow. And if you are off at your business and she has no help and you do nothing about it except blame her when you want to have marital pleasure um, and you brush off her concerns, you are still a child at home. You have not accepted your vocation. You are not living as a man or a husband or a father. You need to put that first, no matter what you need to do to earn money. You need to put your wife and your family first. You must do that. Otherwise, my dear husband of this wife and husbands of other wives in similar situations, you are defaulting. You are not living your vocation. And um, I would go so far as to say you are in sin before God because you made a vow and you are living your own in your own world with your own dreams, and your family is kind of in the way. Um, it's not good. And you say, no, I, you don't even understand, Mother Miriam. I'm doing this to support my family, to build them. No, you're not. You're doing it because of your ideas and your dreams. The needs of your family are right before you. You have a wife on the verge of a mental breakdown, whether you think she should be or not, and you are spending all your time away at work building this business. It's not good. It is absolutely not right. You need to do something about it. Okay. We are going to a caller. We have um, uh, Sandy from Alden, New York, on the line. Are you there, Sandy? Hey, yes, Mother Miriam. Hi, sweetheart. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Sandy, are you driving? Are you driving your car while we're speaking? Are you there, Sandy? Can you hear me? Okay, we're going to take Sandy's call later because I cannot hear her, and I have a feeling she was driving. So we'll go to our email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I watched your conversion story on formed.org, F-O-R-M-E-D.org, many, many times, and it always made me cry when you talked about receiving God on your tongue 
and not perishing. I just found you recently with Catholic Action. I am so troubled with the many, with the news of our Pope. I have a question for you. Do we still pray for the Pope's intentions? We absolutely do. I'm going to finish your email, but we always pray for the Pope's intentions according to the will of God, not our will, but thine be done. We pray for the Pope's intentions and ask the, and ask God to answer them according to his will. She says, or he says, whenever I heard that, I silently changed it to pray for the Pope's conversion. Is it right to pay, pray for his intention now? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you want to pray for his conversion, that's fine. But uh, we want to all be continually converted. All of us pray for my conversion. I can use the conversion in some areas. I do know what you're saying, and you certainly can pray for that. But, um, but don't fail to p- pray as well for his intentions. We owe him that. We should do that. And again, we ask for the Pope's intentions. We pray every day here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, for the intentions of our Holy Father. We pray it in the rosary. So do that, but we always want every prayer to be answered according to God's will. Um, she says, thank you for your help. I watched a very good video about Our Lady of Good Success on YouTube. It comforts me knowing that our Mama Mary will come and rescue us. God bless. Please pray for my children. Thanks. Okay, that's good. All of you. The Pope has said some very concerning things, things that sound heretical, things that are very confusing, things that are absolutely grievous. He said and done those things. But not one thing has he made of faith and morals, has he made binding on the faithful. Not one thing. And so, you, beloved, learn your faith, know your faith, and um, live your faith. No matter what the Pope says, if he's off on something, you don't follow that. He's not infallible as a human being. He's infallible only when he will bind something on us to believe, in which case the Holy Spirit will protect him from spouting error. So, no, no, no. Uh, You pray for him and uh, yes, pray for his conversion, for the confusion in the church to end and pray particularly for the Amazon Synod that's coming up in October, which um, promises to be at this point a true disaster for the church. So pray for that. Pray for God's will to be done, beloved. God bless you. And we'll speak with you tomorrow.